Hello and welcome into another edition of the Daily Blues Podcast here on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you on this Monday, November 18th of 2019. Glad you're along with us. Blues coming off a disappointing 4-1 loss at the hands of the Mighty Ducks. Excuse me. <laughs> I just watched the movie over the weekend. The Anaheim Ducks. Derek Grant completed a hat trick with an empty net goal, giving the uh, sealing the deal for the Ducks 4-1. Ducks snapped a five-game losing streak, so they had a lot to play for in that game on Saturday. And the Blues had a lot to play for in terms of kind of getting back on track. And I didn't think they played terrible, just that their mistakes, and there were some egregious mistakes, they ended up at the back of the net. And that's what NHL teams do. You make mistakes, they end up in the back of the net. Or you make a mistake, and the goalie makes a save. And that's kind of what happened for the for the Ducks, as the Blues could not get anything by other than Vince Dunn's goal in the second period, uh, John Gibson, on Saturday. As we like to do... Uh, after every game, even though the game was on Saturday, we like to replay for you how it happened. So here are the highlights from, or lowlights, if you will, from Saturday's loss 4-1 at the hands of the Ducks. Well, you got to be ready to open up the game against Anaheim. This Ducks team, and open up a period for that matter. They've scored more goals than any other team has in the first minute of a period. Seven this year, so they can strike quick. Coming out of the corner with it along the far wing, drops it off. Barbashev drives the middle, and he backhands it high. Now to Dunn, along the line, Falk wrists it off the glass, and it comes around to the near side. It bounced over the stick of McEachern. He then sidesteps a check from Devin Shore. Bowmeister with the shot, the puck is loose. They jam it towards the goal, and eventually... Okay, wow, there's eight players plus the goaltender in the blue paint right now. John Gibson. You don't ever see that. I mean, hanging on a thread. Ducks bring it in, gets Lafar's side, comes back, and they shoot it in and score. They worked a two-on-one and made it look old-school easy, and Brian Getzlaff is going to pick up his 267th career goal on his eighth of the year, and he has the Ducks on top, one nothing. 14-28 to go, one nothing Anaheim. Getzlaff with the goal. As Anaheim on top one, nothing, and now you can make it two to nothing. Another broken play in the Blues defensive zone. This time it's Grant, and the Blues now have a come from behind game staring at him. He'll roll it into the far corner now, and picking it up is Mackenzie McEachern. Leans in hard on the puck, cleared it out. Back to the Anaheim end. Delzato. To the far boards. Out to center off of Browning. Got around Barbashev. Checked by Sundquist. Puck goes down in behind the net. What a play, short side by Deloria, and the puck coming back out to the Blues. Big save by Bennington, kept it two to nothing. Out of the neutral zone, Dunn's gonna weave his way over the line. Toe drag, shoot, score! What a shot! Far circle, right at the dot, and he kept it on the ice, tucks it home under the pad of Gibson. Dunn with a big one, and it pulls the Blues to within one, they're on the board. Two on the score. 16.46 to play here in period number two. Thomas to Pareko, cutting it in. On the back end of the goal, Costin kicks at it. And it fell off his skate, hit off the goaltender Gibson. He's a little slow to get up, shakes it off. Thomas to Pareko, cutting it in. On the back end of the goal, Costin kicks at it. And it fell off his skate, hit off the goaltender Gibson. He's a little slow to get up, shakes it off. The Ducks intercept, bring it in short-handed. Tuck it in and score. A bad giveaway at the St. Louis Blue Line. Grant's going to get his second of the game as he tucks it five hole. And a Blues power play hurts him tonight. Trying to send it up ice, they do. Sundquist and McEachern 
mishandle it at the line. They've got to retreat and they get it back. Bortuzzo, he assisted on the done goal. Blues trailing 3 to 1. Halfway through the hockey game. Puck sent over the line and Sunquist will give chase. Gibson. Slow to get out of the way. Sunquist ran into Gibson. Everybody's going to get a partner. Ducks get it alone in front. And Bennington with a big stick save to keep it within range for the Blues. Comes off the wall and. One's out to the blue line, kept in. Blay, Shen shooting and getting a blocker on it was Gibson. So the puck gets knocked to the far wing, chipped around Petrangelo and out. Grant gets the hat trick goal, the empty netter to put the Ducks on top, four to one. One thirty-nine to go. Well, as you see, a spray of a few hats coming on the ice here for some loyal Anaheim fans who made it to the game here. Colton Pareko there at the end. You can tell he's trying to get a shot, trying to just simplify and throw something at the cage, but Anaheim does a good job. Gets off, gets the original block, and it's gone the other way. Shen couldn't get the rebound back to the goal. 15 seconds remaining. Anaheim will clear it down. First loss on a back-to-back -back night of the season for the St. Louis Blues. Five seconds remaining. Anaheim has it, and the Ducks come in. And for the fourth consecutive time, Anaheim has won here in St. Louis. They beat the Blues by a score of four to one. So the loss there for the Blues dropped a or snapped a nine-game point streak with their first regulation loss since October 26. So it's not all bad in my mind. I know they blew some leads in some games last week as well, and of course they get smoked out of the building for one. Well, at least the score says they got smoked out of the building. I thought that the Blues had a lot of good chances to keep that game competitive, and uh, when they got it to 2-1, they they, barely, they responded. After that fence dungle, had some chances to make it 2-2, but mistake goes the other way. Boom, back the net, 3-1, and it was just kind of the hill got a little steeper from there. So entering that game, they are 8-0-2 against the West and were the only team in the NHL to have not lost a regulation game against the Western Conference. So, like I said, it's not all bad, and I was at practice today, and it seemed like with some of the answers you're getting from some of the players, and we'll hear the scrums from Bozak Shen, and we'll play Baruby here coming up soon, but let's, let's, let's face it, it's not as bad as it was last year. Last year at this time, they were right around 500, um, and that's nowhere near where they are now. They're sitting atop the Western Conference, uh, first place in the Central Division. They're right there, so I don't think it's all gloom and doom right now, where, and maybe that's not really the view of it. Maybe I'm overreacting to some of the views of, of going around the team right now. I just don't think that it's all bad around the St. Louis Blues right, right now. They've gotten points but all but four games this year, and that's what this league is about, point accumulation. You hear me talk about that a lot here on the Daily Blues podcast. So Clem Costin got in his first game, played pretty well. Obviously, you won't see a lot of ice time when they're, when they're trailing like that, but um, I thought Clem did a lot of good things, and I think that he proved that he deserves another game, and you'll hear Craig Berube talk about uh, that he would like to see uh, Clem get another game, wants to see more of him as well. So not all is bad. So Clem Costin had a very good debut, and that was kind of the talk around town with some of the radio analysts today, radio shows here on 101 ESPN. They wanted to know about Clem Costin. Chris Kerber talked about it with Brady Nicholas. Jamie Rivers talked about it on his show with Stalter and Rivers. Well, Ferrario was sitting in for Jamie. Jamie joined as a guest today. And let's go ahead and get to those now. So uh, let's get to Jamie first. He was on with uh, his own show today, Stalter and Rivers. Ferrario sitting in with Anthony, and that's where they started with him today, just about the play of Clem Costin. Uh, you know what? I thought he had a good debut. And this is what I cautioned against last week when talking to Austin and with both of you. Uh, before the weekend is uh, let's not set the bar too high here for this young man. You know, and I, I joked with our, our good buddies, Jeff Burton and Donnie Fandango. We had a little bit of a text chain going 
And I said, guys, you know, it's Clem Costin playing his first game. It's not Wayne Gretzky. So <laughs> let's not get carried away here. The young man's going to have a good NHL career. And, you know, he's going to be a solid player for the St. Louis Blues. But let's let him get his feet wet first. He's still 20. Everybody knows that. And as much as it was probably a, a better case scenario to start him at home uh, against Anaheim, it's still not ideal to get the back end of a, you know, a, a back-to-back situation. And, you know, the, the Blues didn't come out as hard as they would have liked to. So I thought the young men did a great job. Well, and I'll say this too, Rivs. I mean, when it comes to Clem Costin, you know, they're not expecting this guy to do what Tarasenko did in his first NHL game where you score two goals and even go back and, like, look at an Artemi Panarin. You know, it's so funny because when you have the Russian forward named tag to it you expect them to be this elite goal scorer but I thought and you know having conversations with Bobby Plager when it comes to rookies Bobby always says were you noticeable in the game and when it came to the forwards in the game against the Ducks Clem Costin was the most noticeable player on the ice because of the fact that he was creating so much offensive chances from going to the net pressuring the puck and using his body yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think people, I think that's the biggest thing here is the message has to stay consistent that this is going to be a power forward type player. And, you know, the best way I can try to compare it is for anybody who remembers Thomas Holmstrom hmm. with the Detroit Red Wings. You know, Homer was a physical presence out there. He wasn't a fighter by any means. He went to the net hard, did a great job in front of the net. And I think Clem Costin can do equally as good as Thomas Holmstrom, which would be one heck of a career. And at the same time, I think he's more dynamic. Hmm. So his upside is more dynamic, which means, you know, the future is bright for this young man. He's a big, strong guy, skates well, shoots the puck well, not afraid of getting into the dirty areas. So, you know, he's got his first one under his belt. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, that everything gets easier from that point on because that first game, you're jittery, you're nervous, you're not sure what to expect. Everything is brand new to you at that level. And so now that he knows what to expect, he's been through the meetings, he's been through the the practices, he's been through the pregame skates, everything should be a little easier for him next time around. Alex Ferrario filling in for Jamie Rivers today. I'm Anthony Stalzer, Stalzer Rivers, and Jamie joins us right now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jamie, let's talk about the three-game skid here. Are we starting to see the uh, lack of presence of Vladimir Tarasenko come out in the blues? Well, yeah, look, guys, I mean, you you don't just – we talked about this, and we all agreed. You don't just replace Vladimir Tarasenko, and you try your best to, you know, plug the holes with other players or by committee – but at the end of the day right now, you know, the well is running dry on a couple of guys. And as a group, they're not creating as much offense. So by default, you automatically turn and say, boy, we sure could use Vladdy right now. And, you know, we could use Vladdy at any point, <laughs> let alone when things are going rough. So I, I think that there's no need to push the panic button, you know, and you got to find a way to get through this. And I think that's the biggest thing for everybody to realize is it's not like Vladdy's a healthy scratch or that he just took a day off. He's gone until the end of the season and hopefully could join the playoffs or the team for a playoff run if things work out that way. So in the meantime, you've got to find guys who can rotate in and out of there. And I noticed 
that Craig Berube has shuffled the lines around a little bit here. Uh, Alex, you can you know confirm or deny that, but I think that he's got Tyler Bozak playing with Braden Chen and Jaden Schwartz now. Sammy Blay back with O'Reilly and Perron, and then work your way down from there. I believe I saw Clem Costin with uh, Barbashev and McEachern. So you know Craig Berube is doing some things to spark it up, maybe get some of that magic back with Blay, O'Reilly, and Perron. And then Bozak, such a, a solid presence in the middle that he'll help create opportunities for Braden Chen and Jaden Schwartz. So the Chief is, is shuffling the deck as much as he can here, trying to spark something. Yeah, well, and as you mentioned, Rivs, I'll just put it out there. Jeremy Rutherford, uh, of course, who joins us all the time here at 101 ESPN from The Athletic. It's Schwartz, Shannon, Bozak, Blay O'Reilly, Perron, Sanford, Thomas, Sundquist, McEachern, Barbashev, Costin. So, Rivs, take me inside the locker room after another game like this where the last few they haven't really scored many goals. I mean, even since Tarasenko's gone down, I gave Stalter the number at the beginning of the show. They've scored 30 goals in 11 games. What's the conversation among Craig Berube coaches, players, of how to create more offense? Well, the conversation, it goes right to practice. And you have a meeting before your practices, and you focus on making sure you're hitting the net, first and foremost. It sounds like something easy. Down on, hit the net with your shots, and then traffic the front of the net you have to create secondary opportunities off the shot it can't just be one and done you can't get a shot from the perimeter and the goalie handles it and there's nobody there for traffic or rebounds so you have to create multiple chances off of every shot and I think that that's what you're going to see is it'll actually probably simplify simplified quite a bit by Craig Ruby and you know they might go for a more of a quantity uh mindset over the next couple of games just to try and get back on track and, and I know that, that Craig Bruby likes quality but right now I feel like they're waiting sometimes too long for that perfect play and then by the time it, it actually transpires there's not enough bodies at the net I think you simplify it for a couple of games and you pretty much have a rule for a team that once we get over the blue line we're looking to get pucks to the net and bodies to the net and let's get a couple of ugly ones here get back on track and hopefully that shakes things loose a little bit. Jamie Rivers is going to hang with us for another segment. I want to go back to those changes that Craig Berube made and, and pick Jamie's brain a little bit more on that. So Jamie is going to hang on the line. We'll do another segment with him here on Stalter and Rivers on 101 ESPN. You're listening to Stalter and Rivers, the podcast. Like what you're hearing? You know you can hear the actual show on the radio, don't you? Yep, every weekday from 10 to 2. This is Stalter and Rivers on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario filling in for Jamie Rivers, who joins us again via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And as Alex noted, Lou Korak had the lines, and uh, Jamie, Jeremy Rutherford had the lines as well. Schwartz, Bozak, Shen, these were the line rush. No, no line rushes, but when you're talking about jersey colors, Schwartz, Bozak, Shen, Blay, O'Reilly, Perron, Sanford, Sunquist, Thomas, McEachern, Barbashev, Costin, McGinn, Delarose, and Brower. Jamie, when you're looking at some of the, the line change changes here, you're looking at some of the uh, changes that Craig Berube looks like he's going to implement, step into Craig Berube's shoes. What is he trying to accomplish? Well, you know, I, I think he's trying to get back to some of the things that worked in the past. And Sammy Blay with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron was very successful at the start of the season. Uh, you know, he, he switched gears on that not too long ago, but I think he's trying to recapture maybe some of that magic that they had. 
Uh, Tyler Bozak jumping up with Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz. You got three experienced guys there, uh, two centermen for that matter. Uh, you know, your, your defensive play is going to be fantastic. And then in the transition game, with the speed and ability of, of certainly Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen and the reliability of Tyler Bozak, I think you're going to see offense created from those guys. Now, where it gets different a little bit is you've got uh, Sanford, Thomas, and Sunquist. Uh, that's a unique uh, combination. You know, I, we have not seen that before. You've got some tall, lanky guys out there with Sunquist uh, and Sanford, and then Robert Thomas, certainly he's a dynamic talent. Maybe he's banking on, you know, the two other guys doing a lot of the grunt work and getting Robert Thomas the puck. And then your fourth line, you know, you're still trying to get Clem Costin acclimated with the group. Uh, Barbashev and McEachern are solid guys, too. I I personally thought that he, we might see a Clem Costin with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. Mm-hmm. And just for the simple fact that, you know, it, it seems like many guys flourish playing with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you know, the reasons that there's many reasons for that. So I thought that Clem Costin might get uh, a little spin at the wheel there with those guys, and, and you know, to be determined. But, but certainly I think that's the main concept here, still trying to get him acclimated to the group and then try to generate some more offense at the top of your lineup. And generating more offense at the top of the lineup, well, I should say five-on-five five was a big topic of discussion today at practice. But first, let's get to uh, Chris Kerber, who also touched on those thoughts there about the getting more scoring as well as Clem Costin. But Chris Kerber joined the Bernie Miklas Show to talk all about the hot topics surrounding the St. Louis Blues. Here's Kerbs with Bernie. They haven't been as consistent shift-in, shift-out, five-on-five, I think, as they need to be, Bernie. Uh, you know, they've had some leads in games, have not been able to extend them. They've had leads in games. They have not been able to close it out. And that's resulted in games going into overtime. Now the positive side is you're picking up a point by getting to overtime. The negative side is the last two overtimes, you, you lost points because you didn't get that extra point in the game. So um, I guess sometimes it just depends on your point of view and how you look at it. I think all in all, the team play is just okay. And this is this week is going to be just nasty. Yeah, four out of the next five games, you're playing Nashville twice and Tampa twice, with Calgary right in the middle of it. So, to me, this is going to be one heck of a week in a series. Because then even after that, after you get done with these five games, then you're going back-to-back with Dallas and Pittsburgh right after the Thanksgiving holiday. So, I... They've had a lot of hockey this month. Uh, there's been a lot of back-to-backs. I mean, four or five back-to-backs already, which is amazing in one month. So they've got to sort it out. But uh, I don't know that they're at their all-around best team game, but even close yet. Chris Carver with us, uh, the voice of the Blues. Wanted to ask your impressions of um, Clem Costin in his NHL debut on Saturday night. Even though it was a, a bad night for the Blues, I guess the reviews were pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't mind him. I think he probably, I'd say he earned another game, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, he he went to the front of the net, he threw the body around, he was physical, and he played aggressive. And if you listen to what Craig Berube has said about uh, you know Jacob De La Rose, he says we want him to get out of his comfort zone and play a more aggressive style. I don't think anybody's ever, you know, talked about Clint Costa needing to play a more aggressive style. Uh, I think sometimes they want him to dial in some of the discipline. So uh, I thought he played pretty doggone well in, in the first game, and well enough, to be honest with you. That he, even though the team was struggling to score by the end of the game, they put him on that line, on that, 
in line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. So I, I thought that set volumes for the kind of game he had. And I wanted to ask you, too, because it is very much related. Um, I was reading JR and reading something Barrett Jackman said about Troy Brower, what kind of good shape he's in. The fact he had 12 goals last year, he's ready to go. Do you do you think Troy Brower's got a chance to be signed by the Blues more more so than the other guy? Yeah, you know, I don't know how to handicap that per se. I, I do know that there's more of a familiarity with Troy Brower with this group than there is with Jamie McGinn, obviously. But I do definitely think that, especially the you know the three game losing streak that the team is on, shows what Doug Armstrong was talking about in in needing and wanting to have more of a veteran guy. Uh, they, they weren't getting production from Robert Thomas on the top line. They moved him back to the third line. They called up Clint Costin. They put him in for for Dale Rose, uh, who was a scratch in the last game. He's not getting a lot of production out of Zach Sanford on that second line. And, you know, Mackenzie McCarron's been okay on that fourth line. There's, there's a lot of youth mixed in this lineup, Bernie. And even though that youth was part of the run last year, it may not have been a very impactful part. So now they're needing to have that group of guys be more impactful. I think some of the familiarity of the team, uh, the, the players, uh, his, his leadership ability, and he does appear to have come in, the, in, in some pretty doggone good shape. That uh, I, I, It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Doug Armstrong at some point here over the next few days offer a contract to Troy Brower. And I feel I, I need to very briefly explain the context of what I said Bear Jackman does the podcast with Jeremy Rutherford, and, and Jackman said that he he has been skating with Troy Brower right. and was in a position to see, hey, he's really in great shape. He's ready to go. So I, I wanted to give that some context because that was kind of random. Well, <laughs> and listen, the conditioning is a very big part of this. Because, so we, we're in Columbus and we're sitting with Doug Armstrong in the stands watching the morning skate, and they're doing a, a three-on-three drill where the coaches are basically playing against Clem Costin, Jimmy McGinn, and Troy Brower. And, you know, it looks like they're just kind of having fun scrimmaging on one end of the ice and going at it. Well, you know, the first five minutes of it, it's okay. Well, what Doug Armstrong is also looking at is how are these guys playing and how, how hard are they working 15 minutes into that? And that says a lot about the conditioning. Can you still get to the puck? Can you still make the plays? And, and those are types of things that the general manager is looking at. I know you're probably tired of being asked this, but i got to ask you, because it's sort of becoming more and more of a thing among fans, they um, they're expecting to see more uh, from Justin Falk and are, are disappointed uh, with the early returns. Let's say I think it's a fair way to put it. What do you think? Um, he's uh, it's a new, a new situation. He's only been with one team until now. Long time there with Carolina. A lot of a lot of different defensive pairings. I I don't know what to make of it. So I, I go to a smarter person in Chris Kerber. What do you think? You know, I talked to Craig Berube before the season started, or right after the, the Falk trade, and what he said, I think, still rings true as they've hit the quarter pole here. And it's a matter of, can this defensive core understand and figure out the roles that they've got to play, much like the forwards had to last year. Justin Falk is playing about two minutes less a game now with the Blues than he was with Carolina. Uh, they've tried different players. So they, they've had Falk with Alex Petrangelo. They've had Pareto. They've had Gunnarsson. At times, they've had Dunn. After the first period, the first two goals scored in the last game, both on Pareko and Petrangelo, they broke up that defense pairing in early on in that game, and it was basically just pull guys' names out of the hat kind of scenario the rest of the game for the St. Louis Blues burning. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. That, look, I, I think Justin Falk can play a lot better. I don't think he's fully comfortable in this system yet. One of the things that 
he dealt with that I think is very different between these two teams is Carolina had faster forwards. And, and Justin Falk would put the puck into space, and, and the defensemen are taught in Carolina, put the puck into space, and the forwards skate onto it. The Blues don't have the speed of those forwards. You, you can't play that same way with the Blues. I think that's a pretty big adjustment when you played in, in that other system for a couple of years, right? So I'm not as quick to judge and, 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 and worry and fret over how Justin Falk is playing. You know, I think I think there's a whole nother level that we need to see consistently from from Colton Pareko. I think Vince Dunn, who, who I thought was very mobile, but still second to last in minutes played amongst defensemen in the last game, could have a bigger impact on these games. Uh, you know, you've had Carl Gunnarsson now pulled from the lineup and Robert Bortuzzo put in. Robert Bortuzzo's physicality is, I think, a very important part to this hockey team, but he. It hasn't been in the lineup for a while because the team was on a winning streak. So I'm not as concerned about Justin Falk as I think a lot of people are. I think he's become a focal point. I don't know that that's necessarily fair in the all-around scheme of things. I think as as a whole defensively, this whole defensive unit can be better. I I think that's fair, and and I I do believe patience in this case is entirely warranted. Um, No no need to give this guy – let this guy have a a transition. Transition. Jump in there. Look sure. at it like this. You know that you've got basically uh, Petrangelo, Pareko, that that are play on the right side. Justin Falk plays on the right side. That they just haven't found any tracks with Justin Falk and Vince Dunn, which means somewhere in there, one of those other guys, and it, and it hasn't been Petrangelo, Falk or Pareko are going to play on the left side. It's a very different game for someone that's used to play on that one side to go play the other side. I mean, talk to a second baseman trying to go play third base. Uh, somebody that plays on the right side of the line in football all of a sudden having to go to the left side. Can they do it? Yep. Can they figure it out eventually? Yeah, but is it, is it necessarily the easiest thing to do? No. So I, I just think sometimes there's even positional adjustments that need to be done. Yeah, I think it's easy to underestimate the lefty-righty thing, no doubt about it. Chris Carver yep. with us for a couple more things here on 101 ESPN. And again, tomorrow night, Blues hosting Tampa Bay at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario. Then Curbs and Joey take it away after that. Uh, let's talk about the, the Tarasenko absence. I, I think a lot of this is really on other players that, that need to step up and haven't done it and who are capable of doing more. But are you starting to see reality hit just a little bit and not having um, a proven goal scorer in the lineup? Yep, no doubt in my mind that I think you are. Uh, it's, it's 16 to 19 minutes a game where every time he touches the puck could be a threat to score. Um, and so, yeah, you are seeing that impact there. We saw Robert Thomas play five games up with the line with Schwartz and Shen, but really didn't get any production. So we saw Sammy Blay put up there the last game. Uh, and, and then eventually, you know, even some more line juggling by the end of the game. Yep, you're you're going to see it, and you're not going to replace Vladimir Tarasenko. You're just not going to reach down into the hat and pull somebody out that's going to be a consistent 35 uh, to potential 40 goal scorer for you. You know, but you can, as you said, make up for that in other ways. Uh, a really good power play, if it continues to stay a threat, can be a real difference maker for this hockey team. But as you and I have talked to, I think even over the last two Mondays now, you know whether that whether that offense is coming from Jaden Schwartz, you know Ryan O'Reilly only has the five goals so far. Even though these guys, their point totals are good, which means somebody's scoring, right? 
Right. Uh, the goal scoring, I, I think, could be better. You're not getting enough production yet out of out of Robert Thomas. They're trying to figure out that third line. That's why Costin was on it. You've got Mackenzie McEachern with almost as many points, I think, as Thomas. You've got you've got Barbashev and Sundquist with more points, you know, than than some of the guys uh, defensively. Colton Pareko, which is the one goal that's done, just scored his first even strength goal. I mean, that's why I I still think that there is a way somehow if if this coaching staff can do it to balance out this offense and, and find a way to get more guys to chip in. It's not just going to be one guy. It has to be across the lineup, guys chipping in a little bit more to make up for that deficiency. Curbs, this is great insight. Really appreciate it, buddy. Anything else we need to go over that I left out? No, I, I, you know, another set of ba- another back-to-back before the end of it is I, I just think this team's got its work cut out for right now with the schedule over the next two weeks. I think that's a big storyline going into the next two weeks. And Curbs is spot on with the schedule because they got Tampa Bay tomorrow. It's not going to get any easier. Calgary, Nashville twice, Tampa again, Dallas at Dallas, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Buffalo, Vegas, or Chicago. That's all up until – and then Colorado, that's all up until mid-December. So from right now until about mid-December, we're going to find out a lot about these St. Louis Blues. It's going to be a big test moving forward over these next couple of weeks. And it's not going to be easy. And a lot of these struggles you're seeing, let's let's look at it. The Tarasenko, that's your leading goal scorer almost, almost every season. You're missing him. And you're missing Alexander Steen, who plays big minutes down the stretch and helped closing out those 2-1 leads. And I get it. Even when Steen was playing, they were still blowing some leads. I get it. But still, you want him in your lineup for that reason because he's done it in the past. He's comfortable in that role and a guy who knows his role. So you're missing a guy who scores goals and a guy who helps kill penalties and close out games. That's what you're, Those are two big roles to fill over a long period of time. So Blues better get it figured out moving forward against these um, better teams that are, they're going to be facing here coming up on their schedule. All right, let's move back into today. Uh, the Blues practiced at Enterprise Center this morning. Changed up the lines a little bit. Bozak's going to be playing on the right side of Shen with Schwartz on the left side. Robert Thomas will be centering a third line, so a lot of line shifting today. Bozak talked about that. Shen talked about it, and so did Barubi. We'll play those scrums for you here. Um, let's play Bozak's first. So here's Tyler Bozak talking about kind of the line changes in his media scrum after practice today. When you come to practice today, knowing that you know, goal scoring has been a little bit of a challenge, you kind of expect some blender line mixing. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, well, we've lost three in a row, so I, I know two were in overtime, but. Um, yeah, obviously make a few changes here, try and get a little spark. I think that's what you do when you're on a little skid. So um, we're playing a really good team again tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, the new combos work and get some chemistry out of the bat and start putting some more pucks in the net. Does being, you being on a wing make it easier to get in front of the, front of the net to get inside? Uh, you know, I think me and Shenner will kind of just uh, rotate, I guess, wherever we are at that time. It'll be it'll be nice. We'll be able to take draws on our strong sides. And, um, you know, I guess who's ever back first in the D zone will play low. So, um, yeah, it, it won't be too much of a, a change. How much wing have you I mean, not, not really any, to be honest, but uh, just – you know, at end of games or at certain times of games. But, again, I think, you know, it's it's not that big of a transition, I think. We got two centermen on our line, so um, now we can both play well. We can both play wing. We can, you know, switch in and out of positions. And, uh, yeah, it should be too bad. How will you handle the, the face-offs? Uh, 
helpful to you guys? Probably just take them on our strong sides and see how we're doing. If someone's having a tough night, maybe the other guy will take them and vice versa. It's nice to kind of have that luxury on the, you know, the same line to, you know, if you're struggling against a certain guy, he might be doing well against and vice versa. You know, you'll be able to kind of pick your face off matchups that way. So one of the keys for this team is it struggles offensively, getting guys inside for rebounds and screens and all those things that come from getting more guys. Yeah, I think the team. last few games we we haven't been around the net as much as we'd like to. You know, the goalies are so good now. You got to take their eyes away. You, you know, it's going to be tough to score on that first shot. You usually get the, the best opportunities on the second and third chances. So um, we're going to have to get more traffic in there, um, get get more guys in front of the net, and hopefully, you know, get some rebounds. What's been your challenge, though? I mean, you really haven't played with consistent line mates throughout the year. It seems like, you know, every time you turn one way or the other, you've got somebody different. Yeah, what, I mean. How big of a challenge has that been? Um, it's been fine. Obviously, it's nice to, you know, find and mesh with the line um, and stick with it. But, I mean, it's inevitable there's going to be injuries throughout a year. There's going to be, you know, guys moving up and down the lineup. So you got to be ready to play, you know, any role with it, with any guy. So, um, you know, everyone's a great player in here. So it's just about finding that chemistry as quick as you can whenever you do get new line mates. So, um, you know, hopefully that'll be the case tomorrow. How's it going to be when Maroon gets back here? Expect maybe some, some physical play? <laughs> yeah, it's going to definitely be an emotional uh, night. Um, you know, obviously he was a huge part of what we did last year and being from here and, you know, a lot of family and a place that means so much to him and, you know, such a well-liked guy in our room that everyone got along with really well and still keeps in touch with. So, um, you know, I know we're all excited to see him and, uh, you know, maybe he'll take it a little e easier on us in the physical category out there. Who's he going to chirp on this team? Oh, probably just our new guys, I would assume, <laughs> or maybe some other the guys that he's really close with. I'm sure he won't be quiet throughout the game. I know that for sure. So, uh, you know, I think we're just excited to see him. Who's replaced him as a chirper? He's kind of irreplaceable in that category, I think. Um, he's one of the best at that, he, you know, on and off the ice. So uh, nobody really has taken over that job. <laughs> How do you think uh, Costin did the other night? I thought he did well. I mean, first game is always going to be a lot of nerves. Um, you know, it's obviously a different style of play than, than what he's been playing throughout the year. So it takes a little bit to get used to. But you, you were able to see his speed, his strength, you know, the, um, the way he handles the puck. So as he gets more comfortable, he's just going to get better and better. And, you know, he's going to be a really good player for a long time. And you heard Tyler's thoughts on Klim Kostin there at the end. Klim getting a lot of rave reviews. Uh, in his first NHL game, so um, hope to see him tomorrow night, that's for sure. We'll, we'll see how the uh, morning skate goes tomorrow, so stay tuned back here on 101ESPN.com and, of course, on all of our shows on 101ESPN for any updates on that tomorrow after morning skate. Let's get to Braden Shen now, who will have a new line mate in Tyler Bozak now. Here's Shen's thoughts on getting more scoring. Chances are there, but do you need to get? Does the team need to get in front of the goal more to get more screens and second chances and rebounds? And um, is that what's missing? You know, obviously, uh, I think that's uh, the easy answer. Yes. Uh, you know, I feel when teams aren't scoring or, or guys aren't scoring, uh, you always say, uh, go to the front of the net and, and get a bounce or a tip or a screen. And uh, yes, I definitely think we have to do more of that. I also think, uh, you know, I guess probably players without the puck too have to work harder to get you know find open areas uh try and beat their guys off the wall um you know uh, beat the defender to get to the net before them and, and you know stuff like that all usually equals and goals but uh you know obviously the easy answer is to get to the net more yeah but i think there's a lot of you know areas that uh we have to get better at in order to score goals so is five on five one of those areas that you know something's missing right now as far as yeah no i think um you know i think we always defend hard five on five no doubt about it but i think um 
you know, when we uh, maybe go into a little of a lull is when, uh, you know, we're not scoring five on five. And I think when you do score five on five, it, it gives confidence of, of guys, gives swagger of guys for sure. And, um, you know, I think right now we have to go where it knows. Uh, you know, sometimes it just comes and comes naturally. And, and right now it's not. And, and you have to find ways to uh, get out of the funk five on five. And that's whether it's uh, communicating with uh, with guys, um, you know, on the line or, or when you're on the ice with them or, or just, um, you know, finding different ways to score. I think uh, we all have to do it uh, together as a group. Like the look of an all Sasky line? Yeah, why not? Uh, first time uh, uh, we got the... Uh, the Sasky Sasky boys together. So, um, you know, Boza being uh, obviously a very good two-way forward, a good centerman. Um, I play a little bit of both too. So um, I think we'll read off uh, one another. I've done it before where I've kind of played a little bit of a hybrid center, call it, and, and kind of whoever's low, play low, and we'll both take face-offs and, and uh, see if we can get something going here. He said that it shouldn't be too much of, a, of an issue, you know, the interchanging between you two. No, not, not at all. I, th- I, think, I think he's... Uh, obviously, he's very he's he's very smart, uh, very good in both ends of the ice. Uh, he's able to read off his his um, you know line mates. He's he's had a few uh, this year, and he's had to adjust and adapt quickly. And and uh, I think uh, we've had some shifts together kind of throughout the year, but obviously nothing permanent. So here's a chance for us to uh, you know obviously our line and, and as a team here to try and uh, you know mix things up a little bit, change up the lines a little bit, and hopefully get some more scoring. Green, do you do when you're walking and see the lines? I assume they're on the grease board. Do you do on the tape when you're seeing all the names? Uh, no, I talked to Chief before, so he kind of gave me the heads up. But yeah, like I said, um, we've played a little bit with obviously since Vlad has been down, me and Schwartz, you played with Blazer and Tomer and Sonny and, and guys like that. And uh, like I said, here's a chance for for us three uh, to get together here, try and uh, create some offense for us, be good in both ends of the ice. Um, you know, we got a tough couple of weeks coming up here with good teams, so uh, I think this could be a good thing for our team. Um, you know, we're going to play some tough games. Guys are going to know they have to come to the rink, and it's going to be uh, a challenge for us, and, and I think we need that. When there are lines change like that, does Chief kind of feel you guys out or ask? No, for no, no. I, I think um, as uh, as a as a player, you come to the rink and uh, you try not to worry about that. And, and um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we got a good coaching staff here that's going to make um, you know the, the lines uh, the way they think they should be. And and uh, you have to come in here and enter a nice time. And and uh, like I said, right now we're 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 trying to find ways to. Score five and five. Um, we've lost three in a row, uh, even though a couple have been in overtime. And we got to get back on track and and um, you know find ways to, to score more goals and, and help our goalies out. With as long as you played last year and now being into mid and late November here, how do you feel like you've managed the energy and do you feel like maybe fatigue has become a little bit of a factor? Or no, how do you feel no, like you've I, I, that? I, I don't think I, I don't think fatigue's a factor at all. Um, you know, you can probably say that, but. You still get, uh, you know, your your two and a half, three months off in the summertime, and, and the way it is now, um, guys train all summer, and now as it is, and and you know even to coming into this season, obviously we've had a good start. Uh, you know, teams are starting to slowly start to creep up on us and catch us, and I think we have to start realizing that now. But as far as energy and fatigue goes, I think the coach staff does a great job of giving guys days off, time off, um, you know, optional skates, stuff like that. So I don't think fatigue and energy is uh, an issue at all. What kind of uh, receptions Pat Mooney will be giving you? Yeah, um, you know, uh, I think it's, you, you got to expect it's going to be a great uh, uh, reception. Obviously, he was uh, a very well liked guy in our locker room. He still talks to a lot of guys. Um, 
you know, uh, through text messages, stuff like that. Um, he's, he's close with a lot of guys, and, and obviously him being a hometown kid, scoring one of the biggest uh, goals in St. Louis history, um, you know, the crowd's obviously going to give him uh, a good ovation. And, uh, you know, we're going to be happy to see it from our end. He was, a, he was a huge piece to our team, huge piece to our locker room, and, uh, you know, obviously we miss him in this locker room. But you're going to expect some barking during the game. Oh, yeah, I think uh, once it's all said and done and he gets his ovation and he waves at the crowd and all that, <laughs> I think he's going to be old Pat Maroon and he's going to be having fun out there, chirping guys, laughing, playing hard uh, like he always does. So um, I'm sure he's excited to get back here. I'm sure he uh, circled this one on his calendar ever since he signed with Tampa Bay and uh, we're looking forward to playing him. So it should be an emotional night for Pat Maroon tomorrow. Braden Shen touching on that at near the end of his scrum. Pat Maroon will get his ring tomorrow, but of course it will be all business. And you heard me ask Tyler Bozak, that was me asking that question about uh who replaced Pat Maroon as the resident chirper on the team. And so far, no one has stepped up to fill the void. So uh, it'll be interesting who gets into the most chirping with Pat Maroon tomorrow night with the Tampa Bay Lightning coming into town. All right, let's get to Coach. Craig Ruby spoke to the media after practice today and talked about uh, his thought process and moving Tyler Bozak up, moving uh, Robert Thomas into the middle, and, of course, some of the issues they need to fix 5-on-5. Five five. So here's the here's Craig Berube from today. Made some changes. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you looking to uh, get out of some of Well, the generate some 5-on-5 five five scoring. Like, you know, um, it's been, you know, now. And uh, we we got to generate more five-on-five scoring, so just trying to move a few guys around and uh, see if we can get something going. What's missing from the five-on-five game? Well, you know, we we go over chances all the time and uh, how we mark them and stuff. And we're doing a good job of getting lots of chances, but I think that we have to execute better on a lot of our grade-A chances. I think you know we could hit the net more, bear down a little bit more in those areas. It sounds like a little thing, but it becomes a big thing. Um, the chances are there, uh, but we got to do a better job of hitting the net and you know executing a little bit better there. Shot, shot attempts seem to be no, no, high, no. but is, is, is the percentage of getting yeah, long goals? It's some of those shot attempts that like you, you got to shoot the puck, at, and we all get that. But it's the quality of shots is, is the most important thing. Is that where you had that little, that, well, actually not little, that dummy out there to kind of work on accuracy? You know what I mean? Well, that's for the, our D shoot pucks of, you know, shooting it by by the player or the goalie, leaning where the goalie's leaning and try to, you know, trust your shot and mm-hmm. get it through. So, Are, are you getting enough, uh, and, and, and I think you said uh, it was better, enough traffic in front of the net consistently? I thought we weren't through the net hard last game. Um, it didn't work out very well, but it's you still have to go to the net. And uh, I thought we did a good job that last game. Their goalie played well. I mean, we got to keep going there. And, you know, uh, like I said, we got to execute better on our our good chances that we're getting. With Bozak, Shen together, Thomas and Sunquist just kind of having two centers on one line is that uh, kind of an important thing, or? Little, not really. That wasn't my thought when I was going in there. Um, I think trying to. Um, See if Bozak can have some chemistry with those guys. I know that I've moved Bozak, you know, late games a lot of times on different lines, and he's been with those guys, and you know they've been good. So I just haven't put them together for a whole game yet. So you know I'd like to see if something can happen there. Uh, Sonny I've used last year at times on different lines and in different areas. He's a guy that can go up and down your lineup and do different things. So. I wanted to get Robert Thomas in the middle of the ice for a game, you know, more than one game, hopefully here. And um, you know, he's a he's a he's a great player that um, 
you know, his skating and open ice puck play is really good. So hopefully maybe he can get something going. Okay, the way he's been playing lately is he's, he's, seems like his tendency not to shoot makes him almost seem better right now as a center. Than well, that's where his natural position is, and he's a puck distributor. You know, he's a good playmaker. As far as Bozak, has, has it been kind of tough sledding for him, though, just getting going offensively because well, of the ch been, changes with line mates? A lot of changes, had? line mates, uh, you know, a lot of different looks and things. So, you know, he's he's a good soldier that way. He accepts his role with us, and, um, you know, he always tries to help whoever else we put there, young guys and things like that. So he, you know, to, you know, he hasn't had <laughs> too many, two line mates very consistently, you know. All year. Just, just curious. Did, did you spend most of your Sunday thinking about all this? Most of it, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's tough to break up the fourth line. Yeah, very tough. Yeah, they've done a great job this year. Really good. Are you with your staff when you're thinking of this, or no, is it just you? I was with my kids. <laughs> you sit around with they, a napkin and doodle, or they don't want to talk to me anyhow. So, <laughs> so did you like? Clem's game enough uh, Saturday yeah, to give him another you know, look here? Or? I, I thought he was the same thing I see after watching it on tape. I thought, you know, he just brings a kind of an element that we like. He's a big guy, finishes his checks. And he can he can skate and shoot, goes to the net. So, you know, for his first game, I thought he did a good job. I really did. Uh, I'd like to see him again. All right, so some more high praise for Clem Coston there from head coach Craig Berube. I seriously hope Clem is in the lineup tomorrow against Tampa. Like what he brings, like his size, like the physicality, like his speed and skill. You can see why the Blues like him so much. And again, only 20 years old. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for this edition of the Daily Blues podcast on Monday, November 18th, 2019. Blues take on the Lightning tomorrow. We'll be on the air with the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community at 6 p.m. Puck drop a little after 7 on the Blues radio network right here on 101 ESPN. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off here on 101ESPN.com.